Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In this world and in this lifetime, oftentimes those who appear to be free are truly enslaved, and those who may appear to be enslaved are truly free. This is a paradoxical statement that we consider, especially today, on Reformation Sunday. And it speaks to one of the things that the Reformation was all about, this concept of who is truly free and who is not. Our gospel reading today shows us this. This reading that we hear from John chapter 8, it's a small window as a part of a, of part of a larger conversation that Jesus was having with the Jewish people. Now, these weren't the the Jewish leaders who were constantly at odds with Jesus. Rather, John tells us these are the ones who believed in Jesus. And yet even they can't help but get their feathers ruffled when Jesus tells them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free, they thought, but we're not enslaved. We are children of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. But Jesus explains this paradox that oftentimes those who may appear to be free are truly enslaved. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Jesus is explaining to them the necessary truth that ever since mankind's fall in the garden, we have been enslaved. We have been enslaved to sin. We are born in a sinful state, opposed to God, and we can't help but be inextricably tied to the wages of our sin, which is death. No amount of effort on our part can free us from that. We are powerless on our own against sin. And it jeopardizes our place in the house and in the kingdom of God. But generally speaking, people don't like to hear that. Our sinful nature doesn't like to hear that. And the fellow countrymen of Jesus didn't like to hear that. They assumed that because of the special status as children of Abraham, that they weren't enslaved. Never mind their their history in Egypt or in Babylon or even presently under the Romans. None of that mattered because they were God's chosen people. After all, they were the recipients of the promises made originally to their father in the faith, Abraham. And it's true. They were. But that still wasn't going to be the basis of their salvation. The fact that they were sons of Abraham. In fact, thinking that their ancestry saved them even made them even more enslaved because they didn't yet have the son who had been promised to Abraham. And without the son, the slave has no secure position in the house, but the son does. And as Jesus said, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus had come to save the sons of Abraham. Jesus had come to save the entire world. 
to set us free from our sin, to die in our place at the cross, to forgive all which enslaves us. He came to be arrested, to be held captive, to be crucified, to to give up his own freedom so that we may be freed. Jesus set us free from the wages of sin, which is eternal death. And sin and death had no power over him because he rose from the dead and therefore now it has no power over us. The Son sets us free indeed. But without Jesus, there is no freedom. Today, just as back then, people really don't like to hear that they're not free. And perhaps that's especially true in our society now more than ever. People like to think that they're free, that they're free to do whatever they want, that no one can tell them what to do, what to think, what to say, that we make up the rules of our own morality, that we come up with our own decisions, that we alone create our own future, that all we need to live for is ourselves and our own perceived happiness and desires. And no one, not God, not the church, not anyone else, can tell us what to do. But those who are not in Christ, those who have not been set free from their sins, those who do not abide in the word of Jesus Christ and therefore do not know his truth, well, they are actually enslaved, even if they spend their whole lives affirming that they are free. And this then is the paradox, that oftentimes those who may appear to be free are truly enslaved, and those who may appear to be enslaved are truly free. 500 years ago, Martin Luther looked quite enslaved as he appeared before the the Diet of Worms in 1521. If you recall, four years ago, as we mentioned earlier, we did celebrate the the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Martin Luther posting those 95 theses on the door of the church in Wittenberg. But this year, actually, uh, 2021, we are celebrating the 500 years since Martin Luther stood before the Emperor Charles V, the Emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, to give an account for all the things that Luther had written over the past four years of his life, including those theses. And from a worldly sense, he looked trapped. He looked enslaved. Luther had already been excommunicated by the Pope a year earlier. His standing in the church having been decided, he was branded a heretic. And at this council in Worms, Germany, his standing in the state would be decided. And unless he recanted of all of the things that he had written and said, he would be branded an outlaw by the state and his life would be in immediate danger. Luther looked anything but free. Especially when you contrast it with the power and the might of the earthly church in his day. Now the church looked free and powerful. The church rivaled even the emperor with its own wealth, its own influence, and even its own armies. On a purely material and superficial level, the church looked wildly successful. 
Money was pouring in. The the church buildings were packed and, and building projects were taking off. It would put any church program, any church growth program in our day to shame. But I guess it goes to show you that you can't always measure success by numbers and money. Because even though the church looked incredibly mighty and free, it was actually enslaved. The people, by and large, did not know the gospel. They didn't know Jesus. Like the Jewish people to whom Jesus was talking in John chapter 8, the church in Luther's day assumed that because of who they were, that they were fine. But in fact, they were enslaved by their sin, as we all are. They just didn't see it. And they needed the Son, Jesus Christ, to set them free. And this then was Martin Luther's struggle. This is what he had been writing about for four years. This is what had placed him at the mercy of the emperor who held his life in his hands. But even though the emperor and the church officials may have looked powerful and free, and even though Luther looked like the one who was enslaved, trapped before them, quite the opposite was true. And Luther knew it. Because he knew Jesus. He abided in the word of Christ. And he had read, just like we heard today in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Martin Luther may have been the only person who was free standing in that room that day. Him and all those who had also come to realize what Luther had realized. That true freedom is found in Christ alone. And because of that freedom, Luther then was able to say in the face of the most powerful man in all of Europe, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Here stea eat. Here I stand. It can necked Anders. I can do no other. God help him here. God help me. Luther would face many perils because of what he had said. And yet he was free in ways that the emperor and the church officials could not understand. But God would preserve Luther for many years, using him to translate the word of God into the language of the people. And by the power of that word of God, the people would know the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and how the Son sets them free. We live in a world that is constantly trying to trap us, to enslave us to its ways, to hem us in. We live in a world where the devil wants to enslave us in the guilt of our own sin, trying to get us to doubt that God could ever love sinners like us. We live in a world where our own sinful nature is constantly trying to keep us from abiding in God's word and therefore knowing his truth. We live in a world where those who are enslaved to sin insist that they are free and cannot understand why we don't follow suit. But today, 
On Reformation Sunday, we remember what this day is truly all about. And it's not about us. And it's not about our ancestry. It's not about Lutheranism. And it's not even about the historical events of the Reformation. Instead, today, Reformation Sunday, is all about Jesus. It's all about the word of God made flesh for you and for me, the son of God who died to set us free and then rose again so that we might live in a freedom of eternity with him. And so there will be days in our lives here and now, like there were with Luther, like there were with the reformers, like there were with so many saints who have gone before us, where we may not appear to be so free when the world will oppose us, when everything will seem like it's set against us. But because we are in Christ, we are truly free. As we sang today in our hymn, A Mighty Fortress, were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. The kingdom is yours forever because the sun remains forever. And if the sun sets you free, and he has, then you are free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.